Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 84 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I take you on the journey to true Cage Nirvana, the highest, most purest, most sexual, emotional, sexual, real form of being possible to any human being, and animal, I suppose. And how do you achieve that, you ask? Well, there is only one way, and that is to watch every single film the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicholas Cage, has ever made. How are you doing this week? Hope you're well. Hope you're well as ever. Uh, been a pretty quiet week on the most part. My life has been absorbed by Elden Ring, but what else is new? Um, this week, though, that aside, because I don't want to talk about Elden Ring for the rest of this, I was joined by Kevin and Aaron from the podcast That Wouldn't Die to talk about the 2018 sci-fi thriller The Humanity Bureau. Uh, what a fun episode this was. What um, a joy it was to speak to Kevin and Aaron about this um, baffling sci-fi film. We go into a lot of detail trying to make this film make sense. We talk about this film's vision of the future. We talk about cannibals. We talk about the pro-Canadian propaganda throughout this film. And we even take some time to fix its ending and make it even better as well. So I hope you'll have as much fun listening to this as I did making it. Um, that aside as well, all the usual links uh, to the socials of myself and my guests in the links and descriptions down below. Uh, please do give us follows and reach out and like, rate and subscribe and share and all that good business on your podcast listening platform of choice. Helps the podcast grow and it's always greatly appreciated for your boy. That's me. But without further ado, let's get into this one. It's the Humanity Bureau. Daryl Edge, Kevin and Aaron of the podcast that wouldn't die. Enjoy. Duh. 2018 continues this week with the science fiction thriller The Humanity Bureau. This week, Cage stars as Noah Cross, a caseworker who goes against the titular agency after a change of heart when investigating a mother and son who are set to be deported. Now, joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana this week to see if this bureau is good to go or is just plain for show, a Kevin and Aaron of the podcast That Wouldn't Die. Kevin, Aaron, thank you so much for joining. How are you both doing? Oh, doing great! For us. Woo! So you are already talking <laughs> over each other immediately. Boom! Yes, <laughs> synchronicity. Yes. <laughs> I mean, um, we, we, we would. I know we were talking very briefly because we were saving our quips for the records. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's always to kick off these these episodes, especially when it's new guests to the podcast, uh, new uh, journeymen on this Cage Nirvana trip, as I'm calling it. Um, I'm always keen to know for you both, um, and uh, we'll, we'll start alphabetically, Aaron, with, with you with yourself, um, and then move it to yourself, Kevin, because that's how the alphabet works. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, Nicolas Cage for yourself. Um, are you a fan of Nicolas Cage? I'm a fan of Nicolas Cage in three movies. Valley <laughs> Girl, uh, Moonstruck, Leaving Las Vegas. Right. That's it? Uh, that is it. <laughs> well, okay. And Raising Arizona. Okay. We'll throw that. I'm a Cohen brother fan. Now, my brother worships at the altar of Nick Cage. I'm sure somewhere in his house, there's like a picture of Nick Cage with like rosary beads and, and an ever-burning candle next to it. <laughs> I have not one but two Nick Cage pillows. So if that kind of sets the stage for One of those you. body <laughs> pillows that you sleep with? Or? You, sometimes you just need to sleep with it. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest, I love Nick Cage from his earliest, humblest beginnings up to probably Wicker Man about that time. And then the moment it was, I have to say, it was like our anniversary or something. My wife took me to the movies and we went and saw something called Bangkok Dangerous, which you may oh, be yes. familiar. Oh, and yes. that was kind of the, the, the cold realization. I'm like, oh, these movies kind of suck now. <laughs> Very sad. I still love him, but it's like I need either good movie or crazy Nick Cage. If I don't get either one, then I get a little grouchy. I have a horrible feeling you're about to be grouchy for the next hour or so um, before, we, before we start tucking into this. I mean, I suppose Wicker Man, I guess for a lot of people, that might have been at the point where they're like, you know what? The Cage had yep. a good run. I'm happy to get off the ride now. Um for me, I think because I've I've seen the Wicker Man, let's just say more times than someone should actually see the Wicker Man, which right. is which. Let's be honest, is zero. Um, <laughs> I I unironically really enjoy the Wicker Man. I now. love it. Um, I'm very, well, because he's crazy in it. Exactly. His reactions make no sense, so that's okay. Unlike <laughs> that's... this movie. Unlike this movie, which is. A film I have watched and will log on Letterboxd at some point in my life. Um, I mean, for both of yourselves, though, because we're at, I think it's fair to set a critical point in the career of Cage here where, you know, we, we've, we've just come past Mandy, so we had a lot of straight-to-DVD, a lot of straight-to-video. Mandy piqued a lot of interest, and then he did this, and we went back oh, down... No. Um, and then later on, we'll flick the needle a little bit with Colour Out of Space, and then it's going to be... <sighs> Touch and go. Um, so the 2010s, if we're looking at the, the, the hierarchy of things, have been unfavorable to the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood. Um, <laughs> That's true. You say critical, I say life support. <laughs> <laughs> He's got bones he needs to pay for, okay? He's got gambling debts if these are the choices he's making. <laughs> oh, he's got more than that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a tax exile or something at this stage of the game. It's a sad he situation. and Randy Quaid are off hiding in a tent out, out in the Yukon Territory, I think. <laughs> his accountant had not picked up the phone for a few years at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, long holiday. Um, and I feel like I sort of have to ask the question. I mean, the Humanity Bureau, before recording today, is this a film that either of you had seen of or heard of before? First of all, I hadn't heard of any of the films you just rattled off beyond Wicker Man. So I'm going to double down that I really never heard of this. I assume this is uh, direct to VHS because they couldn't afford to put it up streaming. 
<laughs> I had never heard of this movie at all. I, I had to Google it. Yeah, this, this is Deep Cage, as I like to call it. This is B-side Deep Cuts. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. I mean, for, for me as well, when I started this ridiculous excuse for a podcast whenever it was two years ago, I was like, this is a great idea. You don't think about these films. These are the ones that you just don't think about. Um, and it's at the start, I remember I was like scrolling through the Wikipedia th- page of his filmography and I was like, he has a lot more films than I than I thought he had. Like, I know he had a few straight to DVDs because there was, there was a period, there's um, a store over here called HMV. It's where you go to get like all oh, DVDs, Blu-rays, music. It's like an all-in-one media store. And it felt like every other week I went in, it was a different new DVD of Cage. The post was him running away from an explosion. <laughs> I was like... You should have been running away from that script. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you, when you end up going down the Cage rabbit hole, as I have, you find that he, um, in, in interviews, will just find these reasons. And I, I mean, I just love it at this point. He can do no wrong for me. He could come to my house... Take my liver and be like, "You're a scum," and then I'm like, "Outstanding." <laughs> <As. laughs> this, this, this is this is why I've committed to this podcast. But um, it, it's again, it's just like, what what was going on? Because I think the last film I saw in the cinema of him was Ghost Rider Two, like ten years ago now. Right, and then kind of disappeared. The most recent film I saw in the cinema was Pig last year, which is I will I will stress, uh, Aaron, that could be up your street. Very much return to form, award snubbed, which you know it's good cage when it's award snubbed. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've heard good things about it though. I, I have. I, I'll tell you what. I, I really enjoyed Mandy. Cause I, it's like I want to feel like Nick's bringing it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to sure. feel like I'm watching it where it's like clearly he's just clocking his time card. Okay, where do I sign for my check at the end of the day? Uh, Mandy's Dynamite, Humanity Bureau, which is his follow up. Oh, not so much. Not so much. I just have one question. Yeah. At the very beginning, when he's in the car driving, is that CGI? Is he even in that? Because he looks so strange and face melting. It was like worse than than Joe Pesci in that horrible Scorsese movie. I feel like he left, wouldn't come back. So they photoshopped some crazy deep fake business at the very beginning of the movie. Tell me I'm right. I can't tell you that you're wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, on one hand... Is that CG, possibly? Or is it just the future? That's how it looks in the future. I think what (laughs) it was... It's just the beginning. It was like they're trying to do a Sin City, and then they ran out of money, so the rest of the movie is shot without the weird filters? I don't know. It's that thing that they used to do for those James Bond movies with Sean Connery, where he'd be like... You know, stirring the wheel like this in the car, but the car is going straight, and he's—it's basically like you know they have like a screen around the car, but the car is in like a, a garage or something to make it look like he's driving somewhere. Meanwhile, what was it? The drone like comes like three feet off the ground to fly right next to the car for some reason. Is that standard for drones? I don't know. Kevin, I'm Crazy. telling you, he was two st- two steps away from being Max Headroom. <laughs> Maybe so. I mean, this is this is the world of the Humanity Bureau. This is the future. Um, 
I think, like, you know, literally seconds before that, there's like, I think maybe 10, 15 seconds of just a lot of text going, right, all of this stuff happened, but none of it is relevant really to this film. So like, right. yes, setting the scene, get in, let's go. Um, so I suppose what was it? It was the the economy has crumbled and climate yeah. change has wrecked the the face of the the country and and there was a nuclear meltdown. A lot of bad things. <laughs> <laughs> but how long ago was it? Because then they show like dead cows that may have been dead for six months. So is this six months or is this uh, fifty years ago? When did all this happen? I mean, not important. Just not important. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask no questions. This, this is not a film that wants you to ask questions. Um, and as we've said, is economic yeah. catastrophe, um, climate change leading to famine. Uh, they've just put basically quotation mark the Great Migration. That the another the Civil War, um, right? Society collapsing. America building walls around itself. Um, it's when they say that, and there was like a line that Rachel has later on. I was like, "Yes, that feels intentional." <laughs> she might as well have looked right at the camera when she said it. It's easier <laughs> to make people afraid than to build walls, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Wink and a nod. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Walls are bad. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> Um, I, I just didn't understand that there's no lakes anywhere, yet there's six feet of snow. Well, it's, it's radioactive Nothing grows, snow. but there's green stuff everywhere. Uh, there's nothing to eat, yet there's birds and animals. Uh, uh, what? I, I, th- I mean, <laughs> you'll, you may have to attest to the landscape more than I hear, uh, for obvious reasons. I think this is meant to be set in the American Midwest, which for me, just say America, it makes no difference to me. Yeah. Um, but is is that reflective of the Midwest? Desert and radioactive snow? and I, f- I, I don't know. I'm just happy to say yes. <laughs> there are definitely there are definitely deserty areas. I don't know about radioactive snow just yet, but the, you know the year is, is young. So, but we'll what if the radioactive snow melt to become a radioactive lake, or is it just frozen all the time? Are we now? I don't know. It, it, in the Arctic, is that what it is? Yet birds are still flying around, and there's still like grass everywhere. We don't know where this takes place, do we? We know he's trying to drive to Canada later in the movie, right? But yeah. I don't know if it says we're in montana or something i mean something does it some some midwest northern united states place (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's a sad situation you you could just slap any name on this and i'd be like that sounds like an american name to me and i'll buy it i'll eat that shit sandwich I don't. I don't know. I think it's quite. It's just nondescript Midwest America. Because I know he just he's, he's visiting them in the desert, but he, I think he alludes that the bureau is like three hours away. But then also, there's only one road to Canada, which is allegedly just full of radiation. Right. Um, and, so. and and you only need to fill up once to get all the way to Canada from whatever the hell they were. Right. In, yeah, in I mean, your station wagon that gets about eight miles to the gallon. 
Well, I suppose that these are the cars of the future, aren't they? Because he he says a little bit later on when he's kind of just like he he's got that trade going on because they're escaping from the bureau. Right. They find that lady, and he's swapping his El Camino for a station wagon. But then, <laughs> wait a minute. He, we got we to talk about his police car is an El Camino. <laughs> That's all the standard. cars are from the seventies, is is what we're seeing here. Is all the cars are from the seventies, but this is the future. So I don't know. Yeah, classic. You know, lead character's got to have a classic car because I don't know. He's he's Nicholas Cage and he's cool and he does whatever he wants. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much. It's got the future engine, as you said. He's got like a primary engine and a reserve engine, and you can basically just like Siri at your car. And just change it. So you, you might, if they used just the jargon of like, oh, coupling the power converters, or just something about, like, yeah, why not? Might as well get some couplings and power converters in there again. Can beat up some Womprats at Tosh Power Station while you're at it. Why not? <laughs> exactly in Beggars uh, Canyon. Maybe you guys should just only talk as Nicolas Cage for the rest of the interview. <laughs> My Nick Cage isn't nearly as good. My hat off to you. <laughs> if you think if you think I won't pick up that gauntlet, my cage pride depends on it. <laughs> this film got twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but the tomatoes are radioactive. Um, do, do a little con air next. <laughs> Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> Dynamite. I will. Here's the thing: we we literally were on another podcast talking about Con Air, which is so much fun. Now, Aaron's not yeah. a big fan, but there's there's so much going on. And then going from that to watch the Humanity Bureau, it was like you can get the bends from the. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the, it's like quick. whiplash. Seriously, because it's like he is. This is literally low energy cage, even when it's mm. like. You know, they're evading the bad guys. He doesn't ever seem that concerned about it. <laughs> I, I have to say, I was confused by the basic plot. So he meet, he goes to meet the the mother. Uh, and this is, does he not know this is supposed to be somebody he had a relationship with 10 years ago? He didn't have a relationship with her. but they No, but it was it. supposed to be. Right. The name on the the card was the woman that he had the relationship with. Right. But the picture clearly shows that it's somebody else. Well, that's another whole nother question. Like, why didn't the Humanity Bureau know the difference? Why were they bamboozled by this? I just take somebody else's identity and just pretend to be that and no one's the wiser. They have pictures on their computers, don't they? Uh, you have 48 hours to pack up. Okay, well, why don't I just leave? <laughs> <laughs> why am I waiting for this appointment? Right. It's, like you said... It, I throughout the film and like what I will say about the film it was it was ninety minutes and I love a like ninety minutes. Yes. Film. <laughs> um, think, there was there was a number of times when I was just trying to think to myself and I was just like taking some notes and I was like, what the, what the fuck is this about? What what, <laughs> what is happening in this film? So I, I think it's the idea as we said like um, America or just the Midwest has has collapsed. There's nothing left. Yes. Now there's a new agency. The government have give all powers to a single agency called the Humanity Bureau, and they are tasked with separating c- citizens into those who are useful for society and those who aren't. 
They lie right. to the people who aren't and say you're going to get taken to New Eden, which is this wonderful place, but it turns out it's not. Um, and then there's the whole sort of story with uh, Noah Cross, Cage's character, and Rachel, who isn't Rachel, and Lucas, who is just randomly his son halfway through the yes, film. That's correct. Um, and did he? Did Nicholas Cage know that it was his son? Like it seems like an unnecessary detail. You know what I mean? It was he, like he could have. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, no, he showed up for a week, so unless they were in contact, how would he even know he had a son? Or did he know he just didn't give a F? <sighs> it's because it, you're right. It's a little, have... little sketchy on the details. Well, they established that he's been kind of, you know, this whole deporting people to Eden thing is kind of getting me down. So he's kind of on the downswing anyway. And then he meets the the young, attractive wife. Or, or mother who but there's no like romance between them i kept no. waiting for them to do something they're like nah so he's just out of the kindness of his heart he's like i'm just gonna throw my career away and i'm gonna rescue these people and then 45 minutes later they're like oh by the way this is your son that you never knew you your that you ever uh conceived <laughs> I guess it's a sailor going from port to port just scattering his seed to the four winds to the four winds as is his right. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, but that generally seems to be, and for all the explanation there, and I, I would say the, um, the the explanation that actually makes sense to, to your credit there, Kevin, like it's it's so brushed over on the film. It's like the, this, the, the um, I don't know, the bad bureau guy who they find yes. the ID in a cooking His jar. buddy, right. His buddy slash supervisor slash enemy slash pirate villain. Yes. Um, and then her explanation. Well, I think he just confronts him. He's like, oh, here's a picture of the woman that I knew. You're not that woman. And she was like, they used to be cannibals. Um, and that was basically... <laughs> not anymore, though. We're good. <laughs> Seemed to be the explanation. Um, or, or the person Noah Cross knew was gonna sell Lucas because it was the fashion at the time to sell your boys. Yes. Um but she <laughs> Exactly. I think they had a scuffle. Amanda killed Rachel, assumed Rachel's identity. Lucas thinks that Rachel is his mother but is none the wiser. Noah just happens to have had a relationship with the actual real Rachel like ten years ago. It just becomes a plot point in the middle of the film to yes raise the stakes that are already buried in the earth at this point. So you just got a dirty <laughs> floor stake. <laughs> um, so it kind of mm. happened. But this is this is exactly what you're saying though. Like just this is just a random twist that comes out of the film yes. and my neck still hurts from this like fuck whiplash. Right. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's almost like they were had already been filming for two weeks and they're like oh shit we gotta add this plot in here for some bizarre reason because there's no point where Nicolas Cage is like oh it, it's my son there's not a poignant moment where he's like oh my son my son he's like by the way this is my son and you know I've risked my life to rescue you you're not even Rachel what's your real name I, do we ever find out what her real name is and he happens to have a picture of his old girlfriend yes. who he had it one week with that he that he spends, you know, keeps in his pocket with him at all times, <laughs> just so he can yes. pop it out. Who who are who are you? I'm who are you? Rage. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and one-eyed Jack, his buddy slash supervisor, was already kind of suspicious. He's like, hmm, what's happening there? We're going to investigate. Uh, she was supposed to be deported two hours ago. Clearly, you, you've already gone over to the other side. Well, she's she, the little boy has uh, his uh, special... Uh, what was it? His he has the national anthem. Yes, like that. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus! It's important for a boy, okay? It's it's important for a good, strong, Christian-blooded American boy That's to sing exactly his recitals. Right. So I saw in a tweet once. Yeah, um, in this Canadian production, all shot in Canada. Yes, with, with Canadian <laughs> flags hanging in the backgrounds in some of the shots. <laughs> this. I think, you know, like, obviously, and I'm skipping massively ahead here, obviously we'll come back, but it feels to me like this film is just pro-Canadian uh, propaganda as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I was like, Canada looks awesome. I was like, yeah, I'd like to go and visit the non-polluted lakes one day, like America. Ugh, stinky, stinky America. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> everything's exactly, like- it is, it is. It's like, see, we, we've told you, we sat up here quiet for so long, now the world will know. <laughs> and that's and wouldn't the Canadians be like, "Hey, we're doing fine," or are they kind of keeping it on the down low as well? Apparently they don't want the crazy Americans. Dead. They're all dead. I see. <laughs> there was like one squirrely uh, native dude, and who saved the day. And I don't see any Mounties. I don't see anybody else cruising around up there. That was nice. another weird thing. So when I have to say, I don't know if we want to spoil the ending, but the ending was was very shocking to me in spite of my total lethargy and apathy <laughs> that moment kind of it hit me it hit me twice i couldn't believe it um but then the dude who saves the day at that the native ranger or whatever he was was basically like he made it seem like he was supposed to meet nick cage like it, they had a plan to meet it was some weird it's it's madness there's there's a lot of leaps um yes because Obviously, right at the end, there's the the Canadian Ranger. I suppose just going back to that, um, you know, obviously they make a big deal about saying, like, "Oh, there's only one road out of America." Like, all oh, the board, borders are all crazy. And Canada's like, "Hey, come on in, um, <laughs> you hoser." <laughs> Where are the other roads? Someone came and and removed them because it seems to be like there's a lot of roads in America headed towards north. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All roads lead to Rome, and then uh, Canada, by way and of then Canada, the North of America. Um, <laughs> it's 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 kind of interesting though because uh, I was looking at some, uh, trying to find some like, interviews about this, and f- for films like this, it's always slim pickings, and there's never loads of like a bounty of interviews. You're not going to find Nick not Cage. a lot of press. <laughs> Cage Shocking. isn't doing Jimmy Kimmel to promote this or something <laughs> like that. Um, but he should have. But. Obviously, um, he was saying in interviews that, um, uh, I'll, I'll take a direct quote here that I found, I felt that it was an opportunity to not so much be a message movie, but perhaps reflect, hold a mirror to what I could see happen down the road in terms of industry and its effect on the earth and global warming, and of course, what's happening with immigration. But he's very he's very um, big that this isn't a mirror movie, this isn't a message movie. No message here. No. Um, <laughs> Here's the message, but it's not a message. Boy, right. he's he's a deep thinker. They even show a picture of Donald Trump. They're uh-huh. like, here's the, this the uh, I used to be the governor of Colorado. Now I'm living in a worm infested. There's like mealy worms. 
in his sink for some reason. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> it's the food of the future. They should have done a soil and green situation instead of turning everyone to sand. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> Good Lord. That, well, that's it, because right at the start, I think they're trying to, I, I guess, they're kind of like set the tone of Cage's character and I guess what he does in the Bureau, Bureau and this... Um, whole world and obviously you have to quickly forget about the cg driving and the cg plane and the phone sound effect is the same sound effect they use for the shields in the halo games and i was like right you're not getting that one past me you're not getting that past me um then he gets to see chester he's basically saying uh you're a scum you're a piece of shit you've done nothing i've got i've got it on file here sir uh, and then Chester is going off like obviously as you said they show that picture of like a young him and Donald Trump he's like I went for dinner at the White House it was a good <laughs> dinner um, so he's holding on to that um, what have you done for me lately <laughs> it's like I had dinner with Trump because reasons like what have you done <laughs> right. except try to put me in the incinerator um, and then I kind of I found it quite <laughs> I probably shouldn't have laughed at this bit. I think there are bits in the film where it tries to force comedy, but it's so forced and bad. Right. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon those in a bit. But he just walks into another room whilst Cage is still sitting down, just fires, like, the world's tamest, most underwhelming shotgun blast through the door. Like, and then the door just, like, has a hole in it. He kills the, the motel owner. And I was like, <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> he, and then a cage just pops up like a whack-a-mole with a gun, like, doo -doo -doo, and then shoots him three times. Um, and you're like, oh, I, okay, right, okay. You, you, this, a lot. Of, this has been five minutes, and there's a bit to digest here. Um, so, Jesui Chester, we shall remember you in our memories. <laughs> Pour one out for old Chester. Pull one out for Pour the homeboy. Former governor of Colorado. <laughs> you know him, don't you? <laughs> It's hilarious. It's he put all his uh, retirement stocks in uh, Donald Trump Incorporated, I think. <laughs> that, was, that was a big mistake. Good grief. I have to say, the girl uh, who plays the mother in this movie looked vaguely familiar to me, and I couldn't, I was like, where is she from? She's a Canadian actress. And I realized I had seen her several years ago in another Canadian horror comedy, Wolf Cop. She was the, the sultry seductive of Wolf Cop. There's a movie oh. called Wolf Cop? Oh, yes. I Check mean, it out. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to immediately turn this ship and start talking about Wolf Cop. <laughs> 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 tell, tell me about Wolf Cop. God I damn. want it to be, in my mind, it's RoboCop gets bitten by a werewolf. Is it like that? It's exactly like that. <laughs> in, in the heart of... Regina, Saskatchewan, or someplace. I don't know. <laughs> Yellowknife, Moose Jaw. <laughs> there was another Nick Cage film, very, very well in the timeline that was set in Saskatchewan. I heard that and I was like, "That's made up. That doesn't exist. Uh, that's not a real name." Uh, and I live in a place with like a thousand shires at the end of it. So, <laughs> and I was like, "Bullshit! I'm out. Absolutely unacceptable." Canada um, has some beautiful names. Yeah, I, I went to school with someone from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That's a good one. Someone's having me on there. Someone's pulling my leg. That's a joke. That's real, real, brother. Real, real. <laughs> this is your former colony, so you need to rein this shit in. <laughs> I know. We really let the standards <laughs> slip after you kicked us out. 
It's a beautiful country, beautiful clean lakes, not a lot of radioactive snow as far as I know, so good times. <laughs> well, when, when we Brits have our way, we're going to bring that radiation right back. Um, and just uh, this, It's the way it used to be, just sickening, just literally physically, medically sickening. Um, <laughs> medically. <laughs> I mean, genuinely just the way that our landscape is over here. Um, which it feels like we are careening towards the Humanity Bureau here, and I'm going to get New Eden like that. Um, well, if Elon Musk has his way uh, with Jeff Bezos, you'll be, we'll be living, what is it, Total Recall soon enough. That'll be the uh, New Eden. It'll be the off-world on Mars. <laughs> you know, we, we, we laugh like, the Matrix, that can't possibly happen, but I'm like, like just plug me the fuck in. Absolutely. Get me plugged and get me out of here. <laughs> I've always said about the Matrix, if you're in the Matrix and your life's okay, where's the complaint? I That's mean, what I've always said. And how do you even know you're in the Matrix if you're in Absolutely. the Matrix? And why would you care? Because it looks exactly. much better than than the reality. That's what I'm saying. This is this is all a solid pitch for, you know, hashtag Matrix me is what's <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. me back in. <laughs> I don't like being awake. I don't want to. I don't want this anymore. Let me. <laughs> let me be ignorant again. When ignorance uh, is bliss, for sure. Take me back to that. Uh, to that blissful time of ignorance. Um, Where, where's the Borg? I need to be assimilated. <laughs> Assimilate me to the moon, please. <laughs> But I, I, I suppose, though, um, a character you've mentioned who's, I guess, not or also somehow is ignorant of situations, links, because I sound like I know what I'm doing. Um, we get to the supervisor as well, Adam Westinghouse. Great name. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this is the guy we've touched on already. He's sort of the, the antagonist of this, again, because reasons. Um, right. So, so we first meet you because Cross and Westinghouse they meet after the whole Chester incident. Um, but I think like Cross, I was just more involved in Cross just fly fishing, taking out Monet paintings. Uh, right. And I'll be honest, I wasn't paying attention to any part of that conversation except him calling Chester a piss drinker, which I assume is a term of abuse in the future. Oh God! Well, I wrote that down. I've seen children drink their own piss, man. <laughs> I was like, really? That's a line in this movie? What? Uh, <laughs> Sweet Jesus. I, th- I think they said that you, you, you can't drink the water. It's illegal to sell unlicensed bottled water. Um, so you've got to basically, you've got to bear grills it and boil and drink your own piss if you're going to survive in this world. <laughs> basically. At that uh, point, you know, where's New uh, Send me to New Eden at that stage of the game. If I have to... <laughs> yeah, why are you piss? fighting it? Why would you be fighting it to live in your rat hole? Well, this is, I think one of the things that made me laugh as well, and again, this is me skipping all over here because I've got no handle on this film so I don't know what it is. Um, but one of the things I really enjoyed, and obviously not New Eden itself because as we find out, it's a death camp. It's a literal death camp. If you're useless, you get turned into coal, baby. Um, but no, across this is before he finds out the true nature of New Eden. He, 
obviously visits Rachel and he's doing the whole productivity score on right. him and punching in all the numbers on his robo phone. Um, and then he says like, oh, you've got 12 hours, so you got to pack light, pack your stuff. And then she's like, wait, what, 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 what's going on? He's like, here's a pamphlet. Because uh, <laughs> I, like, I in- don't know what's happening. It's like we're in the future and we're still dealing in pamphlets. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They do have the three-dimensional pop-up phone where you can type in the air, but you still get a pamphlet. That's the government for you. (laughs) Those are are communication cutbacks. uh, (laughs) That's uh, the budget there going to pot. This is what happens after Chester left office. The the, the budgets (laughs) just started going down. (laughs) Chester was the blue tack holding 2030s America together. And um, <laughs> then he got eden um, it's, it's sad, but true. And I have to say, it's like they do have the fancy cell phones, like you're saying, but it seems unsafe to be driving while looking at your three-dimensional phone flashing. And it's a problem. You can't do that. You have it hands-free. You gotta go hands-free. Apparently, uh, no one else is on the road, so I guess it doesn't matter. You should, you'd think that you'd be in your Tesla-like car and it's just driving itself anyway. Not the El Camino <laughs> models, apparently. Uh, because I assume if water's scarce, there's no one refining oil to make gasoline. Just a thought, I mean. I, I mean, for all we know... You know, it's it's kind of brushed over the whole fuel situation, but they're like, oh, the water's radioactive. You've got to, you've got to boil it before you can drink it. The the land is no good for growing food. But we we're have eating so we're eating babies. We're putting a sweet bit of Tabasco on those baby thighs. <laughs> not uh, too much. Not not. I mean, I mean, they're not complete monsters. There are cannibals, but come on, you know, we've we've got to draw a line on on a you're eating other people's babies not your own that separates us that separates us from the animals you know <laughs> this there's a culture in the cannibal society of the future is what i'm saying there's an ethic you hold your pinky up while you eat your friend's femur <laughs> <laughs> friend's femur in a bun and like the gentleman we are we doth our caps and say hmm yes um, <laughs> and we nibble away. Um, but yeah, I've seen. saying like petrol doesn't seem to be an issue. Um, not many people on the roads, but a lot of people with functioning cars. So, as, as dystopian as this world is, seems to be, it's very selectively dystopian. Um, so it seems to be an oil rig somewhere again. Maybe they are using babies as fuel. Maybe this. <laughs> Maybe there is a Soylent Green situation when they're using... That's right. Humans Can we talk about people? I mean, this, I think you want to talk about how this is borrowing from every possible movie you can think of, and they're trying to thread it all together in Canada. I don't know. I always want to talk about how clean and fresh everybody looks, despite this being a total apocalypse. I mean, it's like the water is radioactive, but nobody looks like the hills have eyes, as far as I can see. I mean... I, feel, I just feel at that point, maybe there's something in the air and the radiation is just really good for smoothing out the skin because, you know, if, you know, if providing the world doesn't explode by that point and this is the future we're heading towards, and I feel like it is, then uh, douse me in that radiation, maybe. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, yes, yes, waiter, I'll have the bottle of that, if you don't mind, for the table. Um, <laughs> and just, just glug it right down. Well, not to mention Adam Westinghouse was in a swimming pool. 
He's in like swimming laps. In a wetsuit. <laughs> He's very in cold. In a swim in an indoor swimming pool. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was a weird scene. Like, I suppose. I, I, his whole arc is just a weird, weird thing. It's, as we sort of touched on, he's a supervisor. Um, he's like a company man. And then we sort of mentioned earlier, Cross's report into Rachel was a few hours late. So he's like, uh, we need to investigate his entire life, like now, but, right. but quietly. And I was like, do you not, like, you clearly have a phone. He's uh, under your, you know, he's on your ladder of employees. You could definitely have called him and say like, "Hey, uh, the report's a bit late. What's what's the situation right. here?" Doesn't do it. It's like, "Well, you're gonna have to die." Um, clocked <laughs> he in jumps three to that pretty late. quick. Uh, it, re- it reminded me of Blade Runner. Remember, Harrison Ford's character had a buddy who was kind of like following him, watching him, leaving the origami everywhere. And then at the end, it was like Blade Runner because you weren't supposed to leave the city. It was polluted and disgusting. But in reality, it's clean roads on your way to the Overlook. <laughs> That's exactly Remember right. that? <laughs> and it's the same thing here where it was supposed to be, you know, a, a, a nuclear wasteland. And instead, it's like, eh. Well, it's, yeah, it's just like yeah, whatever. People die, but <laughs> the world keeps on spinning. The, well, and the dude Adam was like a couple times. He said things, man. I think we're on the wrong side of history on this one. But then uh-huh. later at the end of the movie, he just murders. Them. <laughs> it was he like, doesn't care. I thought he was gonna let him go or something. It was shocking. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like Blade Runner. Like at the end of Blade Runner, his buddy eventually just lets them go off, or yeah. does he? Well, not not the case here. <laughs> Adam is just like a stone cold piss drinker. He's what he is. <laughs> That's what happens. Like he 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 turns up at like the Rachel house because this is when I suppose at this point we're still about like I don't know forty fifty minutes off the reveal that Cross knows about Lucas and Rachel. He knows what the deal is. So at this point you kind of like Cross has gone to sleep, woken up, and suddenly decided I'm going to help you. Which hasn't really been telegraphed, or or so right. far is like the only thing that's been given context so far is like that boy's gotta get to his recital, um, <laughs> and then like he's so passionate about the national anthem and the flag, yep. which which you know if you're a patriot, fair play to you, you do you, don't let me stop you. But I, 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 is it worth going against the single greatest power in the country <laughs> at, at that point? I don't I don't know that it is. Um, and then they have the scuffle, and Lucas. Oh, that that fight was so horrible. I mean, it was like two middle schoolers like wrestling <laughs> on the floor. It was it was ridiculous. The fist fight. <laughs> it was it was just a sensational thing to watch because um, <laughs> like everyone has like a one on one with Adam at some point. Uh, then Rachel just firing the gun into the air like uh, like a platoon soldiers lost their army gun. Uh, um, Lucas point blank pops him in the eye with like a BB rifle. Yes, and sharpshooter, absolute sharpshooter, Lucas. And then they sort of escape, and uh, the, the bureau turns up. Um, and in that time, crosses like handcuffed him to a radiator and put and ripped a corner of bread and taped it to his eye to stop the bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> well, later he has like an eyeball in his pocket. What was that about? What the hell? 
about? That doesn't even make any sense. He gets like the eye patch, which is definitely just a lens has been popped out of some sunglasses. He's squinting to hold it on his face. Um, Like a monocle. It's basically, it's not, you can't even say it's an eye patch, it's a monocle. It's a glorified monocle. He, he looks just like one of our cousins who happens to be wearing an eye patch. Am I right or am I right? Is it John? Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> um, and we'll have is... to ask him. I'm going to next time I see our cousin, I will a- ask if he has a, a glass eyeball in his pocket. And if he's part of the Humanity Bureau? Is he part of the Humanity Bureau? Because I'm pretty sure a fake eye is not round like a giant ping pong ball. I, I, I've like seen them. They're like just this half little thing. It's not like a ping pong ball. But why was it in his pocket? It makes no sense. Yeah, it's like have the eyeball or go for the patch. Like you, you can't be on the fence on this. You've got to commit. <laughs> you either commit to the look or you go for the fake eye. Um, Adam Westinghouse. Um, just have have some you know some determination, some respect in yourself. Absolutely. Um, and that scuffle bit as well is one of the few times where they. And the Paul bit as well, actually, where they try to force some comedy in. I think it's his underling, Agent Porter, is like, get the key. It's like, it's in the cookie jar. The other cookie jar. And then he gets the key and he just looks at it. And it was like, what? Uh, <laughs> so I think what that scene was missing, if they wanted to make it funny, because you just looked it's at that. Comedy. If was one comedy, but if like Porter just looked at the camera and gone like, and then like, you know what? I respect you for having the stones. Or he threw him the key and it stuck in his other eye. (laughs) (laughs) Just some three stooges. Ridiculous. What, what, what? (laughs) I appreciate them taking the time to put the key in the cookie jar as they're leaving in a hurry. Just put it in the cookie jar. Hurry! Yeah, let's let's put the key in a place that Adam knows where it is um, so we can get out of it. And there's, obviously there's that bit of the pool afterwards as well, which, as we said, one, he's in a wetsuit for a swimming pool. Like, okay, weird flex, but you do you. <laughs> um, and then I think this is when Porter is saying to um, Adam, oh, we know about Rachel. She's actually, she's not Rachel. The real Rachel was died nine years ago because um, they found the ID card as well. And then for some reason he starts just getting angry and splashing at him and going like, get in the pool, get in the pool. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what is this? Why do, why do you two clearly love each other? <laughs> right. Why fight it? Why fight it? Yeah, that like really like the fact that they were fighting their love really took me out. Um, the forbidden um, passions, yeah. <laughs> the the forbi- <laughs> the forbidden floor of the bureau is um, <laughs> inter office romance. That's right. That's what this. Need. I needed some romance. It wasn't happening with Nicolas Cage and Mother or Rachel or whatever her name was. Good grief. No, it. I, I kind of expected that they were going to force the romantic angle. And for better or worse, they didn't. Because it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm not actually the woman you raw-dogged ten years ago, by the way. Just so we can put that out there, <laughs> Mr. Cross. Strangers in the night. Exactly. Or, or the fact that he's old enough to be uh, her father, whose face is melting. Well, and his hair is a color that does not appear in nature. That's a big issue as well. And they're trying to figure out how to match the red hair in the child when you have two parents that are clearly brunettes and then bingo ginger. 
I mean, you know, speaking as speaking as one of the the gingers, then it happens. We just don't know. We just don't know. It's it's a it's a question mark of a gene. But it it just makes me question though about like, um, obviously Cross is kind of a company man. They say he's like quite close to a promotion, and then he suddenly has like a one eighty and a change of heart. But then it makes you think there's just like maybe a more interesting story like ten years ago as well, where he's. Where he's obviously gone to visit someone for bureau of business, um, got her pregnant, and just left, despite the fact uh, they could not be clearer that cannibals were all the rage at the time. <laughs> and he knew this. He knew this. I think he was hoping that they both got eaten, so he would have just this problem would have just gone away. And then he's probably gone back and like, yeah, I should probably go check in on that. And that's yes. and it, that's it's so bizarre. I mean, they were together yes. for a week. The end. We don't know why he was in this remote part of town, pre-cannibalism. Uh, and what, was he working for the Humanity Bureau then? What Was he interviewing her then? Has this what? happened before? We don't know. None of it makes any sense, because clearly cannibalism was only a rage for a short period of time, like in the past, but not so far in the past where it's like he's dropping in to get his booty call and there's cannibals banging <laughs> on the door or anything. <laughs> uh, but there's never a moment where he pulls up to the residence at the beginning of the movie and is like, whoa, I've been here before. Or she answers the door and he's like, oh, you're not who I was expecting. There's none of that kind of anything, right? Nothing. It's just kind of like, you're a stranger. I've, I've never been here before and I've never seen this child before. So good times. <laughs> it was. I think. I think he went to that door and he was like, "I got away with it. I did it." And isn't it possible there are more than one person in the world with the same name? Is that not possible anymore? Who lives in this house? Is it the ha- same house? I th- I th- well, she said she's lived there for. I don't know. Who, yeah, I, I think. Who knows. Um. Um, Amanda says that her and Rachel were neighbours, I think. Um, convenient, considering also when you look at the long shots, there's no other house around. Um, <laughs> neighbours are so, relative term. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> That's right. Very, very relative at this time. Um, but yeah, like cannibals don't exist at that point in the future. The cannibooty call, as I'm going to call it now. Um, that's a thing <laughs> of the past. <laughs> so... Can we assume that fake Rachel decided to keep the child and ate his mother? Should, should we assume that? We should. I think that's the only way you can read it. Well, she <laughs> says she was like, she yeah. was trying to sell her child. So she stepped in to stop it. And then she kind of yada yada's, I murdered Luke's mom. <laughs> you know, yada yada yada. Luke's mom is dead now and in my stomach. Yeah. I mean, why would you waste that good wagyu? I mean, to be fair, the land is not fertile, um, so you, you wouldn't. But Nicholas Cage is. Well, yeah, apparently. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's like you know, it was a different time. There were cannibals, and also she was a neighbor. <laughs> there were cannibals, uh, and then, then, I, then, I, um, then I sort of kind of killed it and ate it. And there was cannibals. Did I mention there was cannibals though? I was like, you said something about she was your neighbor. Cannibals, cannibals, cannibals. It was a different time. It was a different time. It really. It was, was a different time because clearly I every wish it stranger. Was this time. I wish it was this time because maybe some cannibals might want to perk this up. I might. Just a little bit because every stranger Nicolas Cage meets now 
are super friendly and ready to help. Here, take my yeah. car. You're a good family man, right? Take as much gas as you need. Help yourself. And I'm going to risk my life by crashing into the humanity burrow car that's chasing you for no reason. So, yeah, good times. It's a great point that everyone is suspiciously helpful that they meet. If you're not the bureau, then you're, because there's the gas station guy who's if he's if he's not having dialogue, he's spitting tobacco on the floor. Like, um, and then Cage, it's just a really weird interaction. That whole gas station thing is like, what are you looking at? Nothing. Spit. Um, what's going on? Nothing. Uh, so you got any gas? Yeah, a bit. Um, and then he just rams into the bureau. No repercussions for him. And then they're just kind of like, oh, what was that whole conversation about? Like, oh, he might have thought I was going to kill him. Pff, you'd have to ask him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> forgotten about, they just move on. Then there's the woman <laughs> that they swap the cars with. And she's like, oh, yep. by the way, there's another helper person that I know who will tell you how to get out the border. Then they go visit him, have a little scuffle with the kids. But he's like, here's a Geiger counter. Here's some radiation pills. Here's a map. Um, here's, the, here's the keys to my house. Here's my bank details. Here's a kiss on the cheek to see you on the way. <laughs> uh, the Canadian guard, just really friendly. Um, Super friendly. Can and then they about... warned about you should be wary of anyone that's friendly. When in reality, it's Nick Cage that's bringing trouble to everybody. Right, <laughs> he's the one they should be worried about. <laughs> I yeah. like how the the Geiger counter doesn't work until you literally just throw some batteries into it. You don't have to hook it up; <laughs> just adjacent to a battery. Just open it up. Some wires are hanging out. Throw a couple, <laughs> a couple of double A's, and you're good to go. And you get the same reading as the bat the corroded battery that also wasn't connected to anything. Yep. Interesting. Is that how batteries work? These are the batteries of the future. I think like with anything in this, you can just say, you know, oh, why does this happen? Because future. Um we weren't there. Future. We can't know. Um I don't think any of you been to any 30 am I wrong? He says smugly. <laughs> Um, but then I suppose that there's another guy that we're sort of missing out as well. There's the the, the, the random guy in the elevator that he meets who just gives him all yes. the information. Who, who I thought his name was Ravage. It's like Ravage, I think, looking at the credits for this. Because um, that's the bit where he's just sitting outside of a factory and the guy just yes. throws the matchbox at him. And he's like, Greenhouse. Um, and then he just tells him everything. I was like, who, who are you? And right. how did they know him? How how did they know he's the one? I think they yada yada that as well. Yeah. <laughs> or, or do they just go around throwing empty matchbooks around and see who shows up? I th I think it's that because there's just there's just a swath a swathe of people who are picking up matchbooks, <laughs> uh, like rats to trees on traps, in the future. Um, I think Adam says later on he's a, a subcontractor for the Department of Defense. So I guess if you if you're trying to connect dots here, maybe Cross knew him through the bureau. Not that it's ever explained, and this is pure speculation on my part. Um, but he's there, just looking like well trimmed, like facial hair, all very clean and like looked after. And he's like, "Here's a super duper memory card and stuff and things, and I'm just a nice, helpful guy." And then, right. and then Adam just that really weird shot of like Adam who has already killed his wife and child, and they're just bruised on the floor in a dark room with slit throats. And I was like, I don't know if I needed to see the dead boy. Um, 
I, I, I get that you're a bad man at this point, but let's just let's just zoom in on that fucking gash. Why not? That's a buzzkill. <laughs> and I like that he just assumes it's true. You would think you would do some research because it's possible that dark forces are trying to work against your government and provide misinformation. And all you know, it was was like weird, just outlines. It was like a, a blueprint. Is that all that was on the, the disc? You've got to trust the kindly elevator operator at the abandoned factory. Because people would never lie to you about anything. It, it's in the Fake first news. 10 rules of elevator etiquette. It's, <laughs> if someone's just giving you a memory card, then they've got some good intel. Just let it happen. Um, but this... What was that bizarre scene where it's like, here are Adam's superiors in, inside like a yes. warehouse with like a bunch of boxes full of ashes? Or is a child's tooth? What? I Why are the they child's shipping? tooth was three inches long. What's happened wolf to cop. the children? I, th <laughs> I, th I think that's a wolf child. <laughs> Make sure you ship us all the ashes over here. We need them. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another weird scene that I was just good, uh, thinking about bringing up, actually. So, like, obviously, Adam has the meeting with his two superiors. Um, they're never seen again in the context of things. I think they're just there to, because they need someone to re-stress the importance of going after Noah. Um, it's like, oh, we have to stop him before he does things. And then there's a lady there who says something, but I didn't hear what she said because it was some of the worst acting I'd ever seen. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's like, this is quite bad and we should stop it. Have them <laughs> Vomit. And then he just <laughs> cuts open an Amazon box of children's teeth. I go, is this currency? Is this prison for monsters? Um, so I, I think he... I don't know if I read that sort of scene wrong. Like, Or maybe... I, I had no interest in going back to rewatch it. I was like, I'm just going to just guess what happened here. Um, but the Bureau guy asked Adam to stop cross. He gets the tooth out. And it, it, I think they make an insinuation that they know about Rachel Waller. And then they also make an insinuation that Adam might have been threatened by the Bureau to go and stop Cross? I think it was something like, if you don't handle this, then you're going to end up like this bag of tooth. Yeah. <laughs> of, tooth, of teeth. <laughs> this bag of one tooth is... Uh, <laughs> it's huh. one tooth with a lot of packing materials. This could be your wolf cop uh, tooth right here. <laughs> And when when were we as the audience supposed to be like surprised? Oh my God, New Eden is you know really just an extermination camp because I feel no like they basically it. told us five minutes in and continued to tell us over and over again. Yeah, no one believes it. It's totally the off world from Total Recall where they, they, you're going to just get mutated or dead. It was all going to be bad. You just there was never a doubt. Yeah, there's there's that. Um... One of those scenes where they're trying to outweigh the drone and they've put, like, camo and leaves and twigs on the car and Lucas is like, oh, I heard someone say that New Eden's bad. And uh, Amanda slash Rachel's like, no, that's not true. That's an a Nick's, Nick Cage is like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, everything you've heard, yeah, yeah. Every, every single room you've heard is true. People die. Uh, they trade in children's teeth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the currency of New Eden. <laughs> a sweet. I mean, couldn't you have pulled the mom aside to like, you know, maybe we should talk about this privately? No, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna drop this bombshell on this ten year old's dreams. Good times. 
All your friends are dead. You're never going to see Tommy again. He's not writing you back because he's dead. I will say, though, to Lucas's credit, he takes the news very well. Um, he's like, yeah, All right. cool. All right. Moving on. <laughs> I liked in that scene, though, that they're, um, that they're trying to play some card games to pass the time, and then Rachel's like, oh, there once was a giant, and Lucas is like, no, I'm ten. The giant died of sunstroke. I don't want to play this anymore. And I was like, that's you know one way out of an improv game is to kill the character. That's <laughs> uh, that's yeah, the kid was kind of a shit, man. Yeah, he's climbing on the roof trying to put birds back and f- falling off. Um, They're starving. You should have eaten the bird. Absolutely. They they should have eaten the bird because he, I, I would rather that they ham-fisted a metaphor to be like, oh, this bird is like a signal that no, there's the possibility for life beyond the horizon. But no, nah, it was just a dumb little bird that a boy <laughs> fell through a, a, a gate for. Um, which every time the boy was in peril though and this might sound awful out of context so if this gets clipped I'm going to go to prison but every time the boy was in peril I enjoyed the film quite a lot Um, (laughs) he was like Carl in The Walking Dead you just kept waiting for Carl to get clipped I'm like when are they going to kill that fucking little kid Hashtag kill the boy. Um, <laughs> but, but obviously, like right after the car stuff and then the twist that Lucas is the son, they pull to that random little warehouse and then it's like, okay, we're watching a boy take a shit. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it's like a, a high angle lingering on this boy taking a shit. And I was like, oh, not God, necessary. This, this is, this we don't is, need that angle. This is four seconds too long. <laughs> um, he had a and big it, lunch. <laughs> he had a big lunch of like dirt and bird beaks and teeth, apparently ground into a paste. <laughs> and then, and then he's attacked by Adam, and his head's pushed into like the dirty sink water. And this is the fight scene I really found funny because Adam runs in, gets shot. He's like, "Whoa, fuck that! I'm out!" And then he runs off to leave the boy to be drowned in the sink. Yeah, he just left. Adam could have finished him off, and he didn't water- do it. Water's a scarcity, but there's still sinks full of water and, and working toilets everywhere. And I'm not sure how good the plumbing was working at that abandoned uh, warehouse, but I guess beggars can't be choosers at this stage of the game. Uh, I mean... and, and then they had the kid choking down the drink like he's never had. He gets a cup of water a week or something. But mo- and then mom's in there just boiling away water to cook some fucking carrots. I'm like, so is it scarce? Because your, your child is half dead, uh, or it's not. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's no way he wasn't shitting on a pile of shit like some kind of shit game of Tetris just trying to slot it in. Ah! <laughs> 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 but this is, again, this is this is kind of the thing, you know, just maybe think of sort of like uh, Star Wars Episode Four. Obviously, in, on, um, they say on Tatooine, like, water's a scarcity, it's a resource. But then there's a scene at the start where like his Luke's aunt is just like boiling a fucking cabbage. I was like, you don't have the water to boil a fucking cabbage. And then he's chugging down like cloud poison with he two-handed that cup and it really irritated me. It was like, I was like, oh god, I'm 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 feeling something for this film and it's rage. <laughs> it's cage rage. <laughs> it's cage it's it's cage rage and not in the way I expected. Um but, but yeah, like that. Obviously, they they run off, and and Adam could easily have drowned the boy. For some reason, didn't. 
And then uh, Noah and Rachel run out, and then it's just like, where's my son? It's like, don't worry, we'll get him. And then the eyeball comes into it. Like, he, he pickpockets the eyeball, yes. throws it down like a little underpass tunnel great thing, which Adam just lets him go and get. I'll get it for you, mister. Okay. <laughs> Gee whiz, mister, I dropped your eyeball. <laughs> and then Lucas just nose the way through the factory, crawls out, nearly gets reversed over. So close. I was, I like, I'd, I'd grit my fist going, come on, get him! And they did a little closer. Um, which, you know, it felt like an unnecessary bit of jeopardy to put the boy in that Nicolas Cage nearly runs him over. But I would have, <laughs> I would have laughed and stopped the film there if that had happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's just very, very odd. Um, and just another thing we've like, I think with all of this film, it's just like we've got to keep skipping over stuff and missing out all the logic to get to the next point. Not that the previous point or next point will make any more sense. So you've just got to kind of accept it. Um, and then obviously getting towards when they get towards the end, it's like the showdown on the border. Right. And then I felt like um, Adam's goons, like, there didn't seem to be like much budget for like costume here. And the goons were like, that's just like a black sweatshirt that you've got on and some like combat pants that you're wearing there. Um, and big guns that you probably painted black from a toy store. I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm oh, not yeah. convinced you were the best that this bureau has to offer. <laughs> um, and then we got, you know, we get the one bit of Cage shout. It's like, which it just sounded like, you know, some kind of sports coach telling his player to run. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, it was crazy. It's like he just, Adam just shoots Rachel, false Rachel in the forehead. Boom. It was like, this is a character we followed the entire movie and now she's just dead. How did that happen? (laughs) And you're sending this kid off into the the Yukon by himself during the dead of winter? What are his chances of survival? Good times. The dead of winter with uh, just the landscape, as far as you can see, covered in what I'm assuming is radioactive snow. Yes. It doesn't melt. So that's why there's no lakes. And then my other question, at the very, very end, everybody dead. Uh, what yeah. is, how, how is a dead man having a dream about swimming? What is that? What is that end? I, what, is, what the fuck is that end with the child jumping off the pier floating underwater? What is that? It was a it was a memory, right, of his time with his dad when he, he got was a shot kid. in the head. What he, memories yes. is he having? He's not having any more memories. That is true. Yeah, I, th- I <laughs> think it's it's Lucas at the end that finally made it to that lake. From <gasps> you're uh, saying that that's not Baby Nicholas Cage. You're saying that's Lucas. I totally did not get that. Well, I think it's both, isn't it? Isn't it kind of a juxtaposition of Nicolas Cage as a child and now here's Luke, who's now a feral child on his own. I mean, (laughs) he has no family north of the border as far as I know. Did the kindly ranger adopt him? I mean... I said, here's a a knife, here's a pine cone. Uh, Good luck out there, boy. (laughs) Here's here's a pine cone. You may find 10 million more outside, but here's a special one just for you. (laughs) This is your starter pine cone. (laughs) Watch out for the cannibals. Also, here's a pamphlet to the a beginner's guide to the Yukon. I, I think 
I think the whole thing was, I think it's the reason they, he, um, well, Noah postpones the deportation. So, uh, Lucas can go to the recital because he has that flashback to what he says is his mother's friend took him out to lakes and fishing. He's like, that apparently is the only good memory in his life. So he's right. like, oh, if Lucas can sing the national anthem, that'll be the one good memory he has as well. So it's kind of making memories for reasons that aren't really important to the film. And then I think it's Lucas who gets to the lake at the end and jumps in because they've made it to the destination. Is there another meaning to it? Uh. Well, he jumps into the radioactive waters. So who the hell knows what happens to poor Lucas after that? <laughs> he died immediately. <laughs> Exactly, as the as the meat just strips from the bones, and then you just have a skeleton floating at the bottom, and like I don't know, like skin up at the top of the lake. Yep. Oh, what a better it's, ending! It's really that a sad been. ending. What a better ending! Like if Lucas had jumped in, not realizing that it's just like radioactive lava that he's jumped into, flesh peels from his bones, skeleton rises to the top, and then the camera pans up to the lake, but it's full of skeletons, um, and then. Then I boom. think we yeah. fixed this. We boom. fixed the shit right here. What it needed was one, cannibals, and two, yes. we have problems like at Yosemite where people want to like crawl into the hot springs without realizing it's like 500 degrees. That could be the end. Like it was a hot spring and he just kind of turns into bone broth at the end. <laughs> Those two changes could have made a whole different movie. Yeah, you know, he jumps into the to Lake Chernobyl at that stage of the game, and that's just bye bye. And maybe and a, the, a mutant shark pops in. <laughs> Why not? Well, you know the theme song <laughs> was sung and performed by Adam Westinghouse. Did you know oh, that? Oh dear! By the actor in his in his Is band. It- the actor in his bed. Well, you get, you get a twofer. You get a twofer. Well, it can't be any worse than LL Cool J singing the the, the Deep Blue Sea song. <laughs> my hat is like a shark fin <laughs> man just a, a genius not appreciated in his time <laughs> like Van Gogh exactly <laughs> like Van Gogh like Nicolas Cage geniuses not appreciated in their misunderstood time. geniuses but I, th- I think that's it though I think that's the ending it needed the boy the boy, the boy dies, um, and then they should have doubled down on the message. Don't back down, double down. Then just have a Canadian ranger come to camera and be like, "So, James, you got to die, eh?" Wink and then hey. like, f- like pits take back. off, eh? Take off, <laughs> American, yay! Take off, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's I, the story's a boot. I gave him his. <laughs> I gave him his pine corn. This, this, this never happens. Um, <laughs> And then you just hear Russia in the background. <laughs> now well, we've used all our Canadian references. There is nothing else. <laughs> yeah. You need um, the ranger to shoot Lucas and say, like, I'm tired of this illegal immigration. Okay, we need to build a wall right. or something. Just double. Canada just... first. Canada first. <laughs> just, <laughs> just double down on the message here. Justin Trudeau pops up. Um, he gives a message. I don't know. He's just offensively blacked up like he was in that picture. Just like, <laughs> he just shrugs at the camera and winks in a very sexual manner. Just fucking, just double down on the Canadian propaganda. That's what I'm saying. Maple syrup. Maple syrup up his ass. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. 
double down, don't back down. Right. Um, Only Canadian beer. <laughs> Canadian beer and poutine. Now we've covered all the Canadian references we know. All the references uh, we know, something about hockey. Hockey, oh, there you go. A Gretzky uh, reference somewhere. They're, they're skating around on top of the lake. We don't know how. Their technology is so advanced. They're having, <laughs> they're having radiation like they're flying hockey. across the ice. <laughs> That's right. This is, this, is, this is what would have saved the film if it had just gone off the rails entirely. Um, and, and some curling. We need to introduce curling onto the polluted river. Curling with boy schools. Uh, <laughs> the new album from Canada. Curling with Adam West uh, House or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that fixes it. I mean, if that had been the ending, this would have gone from, as it sits now, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes to 101 um, not and possible, frankly, that twenty five percent is a gift. That is a <laughs> gift. Oh my God, I'm not sure. Have I seen a movie with less than twenty five percent? That that's oh, we a, that's absolutely rough. have. Oh, I've seen some Nicolas Cage films with the zero, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Had you seen this before? No, this is a first time watch for me. <laughs> so the last time watch, Daryl, what's your rating? Uh, ten out of ten. Cage doesn't do bad films. Next question. Case closed. Case, Case closed. No more yeah. discussion. Don't come at me with your silly questions on my podcast. <laughs> what would I rate beautiful, this film? Beautiful, beautiful. Question my integrity, will you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think um, th the only th other thing of note I've, I've written down is that Porter takes a shotgun to the face because at the end the revolution has started. Um, yes. That the heavy ending we've been sort of skirting around there. The uh, the memory card was in the rabbit's foot that Noah gave to Lucas the whole time. He gives it to the Canadian Rangers. Five people watch it like, hey, that sounds like America's problem, me. Eh? And then <laughs> revolution, <laughs> revolution. Well, and he starts. seemed to know about it, right? The, the the Ranger was like, did he give you anything to give me? And he's like, uh, this rabbit's foot. And he's like, there it is, the proof we've been needing. I also but, noticed the, the but range he didn't was... give him to. It was for good luck. It wasn't like, hey, give it to the first Canadian you see, eh? <laughs> first I mean, Canadian. It's. I mean, it's not mentioned that Noah knows the Canadian Rangers. It's obviously not alluded that he's done the whole switcheroo. It's kind of like a, just a little thing at the end that gets him killed. A little switcheroo that gets him killed, which he takes very, very gracefully. I will say. Um, <laughs> And then also the Canadian Ranger was wearing a rabbit's foot as well. So is this meant to be like the key to getting in? A rabbit's foot gets you into Canada? Right. It's like Fidelio. You say that at the border, <laughs> sort of flash the rabbit's foot and you're good to go. This is a very different eyes wide shot. It, it's like instead of trying to get information, you slip like a a, a, a note of currency. Like, have you, have you met my friend Benjamin Franklin? And slide him across the desk. Have you met my friend rabbit and then just slide along a <laughs> That's right. severed claw foot <laughs> so it's like, oh, why didn't you say so why didn't you say the rabbits but we could have missed out all this hullabaloo and I wouldn't have had to right. kill so many people indiscriminately just now <laughs> put the bunny back in the box <laughs> <laughs> put the bunny back in the Canadian box <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, I mean, I, I, I sort of think unless there's any other points which you feel need to be addressed, or if you feel this movie's been talking about more than it ever should have been. Oh, God. Um, th- this could be uh, an apt... With our lucky rabbit's foot, feet dangling over us towards the end of this movie, uh, God bless the credits. Um, <laughs> I think we sort of start to come towards an end of this episode of the podcast. Um, but I suppose for fear of knowing what the answers may be, what would be your... Uh, I guess your Jerry Springer final thoughts, your final takeaways each on uh, the Humanity Bureau. Oh, the humanity? Oh, the humanity is right. <laughs> you, oh. you sons it's, of bitches, you did it. That's, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it, the, the issue with this, and like I've said before, it's like there's fun Nick Cage movies and then there are fun Nick Cage performances where he just goes off the rails like Vampire's Kiss or Deadfall or one of those things where you can just go like, the movie sucks, but you got to tune in for Nick. That's not this movie. This movie, th- we're laughing and talking about it. These are the last laughs you will have if you go watch The Humanity Girl. <laughs> Pass it by. I, I, I'm seriously concerned for his health because he looks like a monster in this. He looks like a monster. I don't know what's happening with his face. I don't know what's happening with his hair. Uh, he's dead inside. He's a hollow core. That's what I'm perfection concerned. looks like. That is what perfection looks like. Um, he's like a ham that's been in the smokehouse too long. <laughs> he's a dried out old ham is our cage. Oh, he's uh, a ham, all right. <laughs> you take that back. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think, I think, like I say, this is this is very much a straight-to-DVD movie. Um, it was, unfortunately, very par for a lot of Cage films of this time, with a few notable exceptions. It's really weird to think that in 2018, he did Mandy and also Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and had this in the middle. It's very... 2018 is a wild year for Cage, um, for better or worse. And this kind of felt to me like, you know, this... And again, this is kind of the same with a lot of similar, maybe it's the limitations of straight-to-video films, but it's like there are the seeds of a better movie there. There's an outline of it, but it's just skipping over a lot of stuff and a lot of things are just left out. Logic goes out the window. And then you end up with three people talking about it on a podcast who are equally outraged and enamoured by the whole thing and the nonsense of it all. Um, So this this is another one that has to get chalked in the vault of for the cage completionists, because I don't think there's really that much else there, um, right? For uh, for anyone else to enjoy, unfortunately. Um, I think with that said, with that done, on that um, radioactive bombshell, we come to the end of this episode, talking all about the Humanity Bureau from 2018. Um, so it leaves me to thank. Kevin and Erin of the podcast that wouldn't die for joining once again. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Uh, for the listeners, where can we find you on those? Then, um, then there, there. Um, I've, I've, I've got radiation poisoning. Where, <laughs> where, where can we find you online? Don't drink your own piss, first of all. That's my advice. <laughs> That's just good advice, regardless. <laughs> we are the podcast that wouldn't die. We're on Twitter at TPodcastTWDie. We're on Facebook at the podcast that wouldn't die. Aaron, we're on Instagram. We are the podcast that wouldn't die on Instagram. 
You can email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at Gmail. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere the finer podcasts are available. That's me. I'm there as well. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay for fine podcasting. Uh, all the links are there in the description down below. Uh, thank you so much once again, Kevin and Aaron, for joining me on the journey to True Cage Nirvana. What a pleasure it has been. Uh, but thank you for listening. Dear listener, if you have been, we'll catch you in the next one. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you. Take care and goodbye. Goodbye.